0: Good morning and greetings to all, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, we want to say a hearty welcome to all of you visiting, friends and family we've known for a long time, and those we're just getting to know. We do welcome you back sometime in the future, especially those of you who uh, uh, don't live very close by. Think of us when you come back this way. We'd love to see you again. Well, for those of you who are tr- have not been here, we are currently at the tail end of a study through the book of Acts. And so we're going to turn to chapter 28, the end of the book, and read the story of what's been taking place in the life of the Apostle Paul. But perhaps while you're turning there, we'll just kind of take a quick glance back at what we've seen. Uh, From the very beginning, we noted that historically speaking, there's many ways thematically you can divide up the book, but uh, uh, historically, Acts one eight will show us where the apostles are going with the gospel. He told as the Lord Jesus was about to leave them, he told them to tarry there in Jerusalem and to wait and verse one uh, eight says, "But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me, and notice the locations in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth and so That's what they did. They tarried there. The Lord Jesus was taken up out of their midst before their very eyes. The angel told them that he would come again the same way, which we're still waiting for. But then chapters 1 and 2 shows us the birth of the church as the Holy Spirit descended upon them. They did receive that power from on high, and they began to witness for the Lord there in Jerusalem, and the church began to grow. But then we saw in chapter 8 a change as the persecution of the church arose, that the saints were scattered, and so the church began to spread into Judea and Samaria, the surrounding areas around Jerusalem. And from there, uh, the saints began to carry the gospel even, as we see now from chapter 13 with Paul's first missionary journey, it's beginning to extend out towards the end of the earth. And so we're going to see now as we come to chapter 28... Uh, Paul reaching these are the main players we saw in those chapters starting with the apostles and Stephen there in Jerusalem and then Philip and Peter highlighted in this next section is uh, surrounding areas there in Judea and Samaria they witnessed to the Lord and took the gospel and then of course Barnabas and Paul their missionary journeys. So now that brings us up to that was a fast review. I like review kind of gives me the big picture and hopefully you'll be able to follow along the big picture as we read now Chapter 28, Paul journeying towards Rome. Perhaps even before we read, we should recap of what was happening here. Paul was falsely accused and arrested in Jerusalem by the Jews. And um, the Jews sought somehow to convince the religious leaders of that day to turn over Paul to them so they could try to get him put to death. And uh, all of their efforts were thwarted until finally, in chapter 26, when... uh, when Paul had appealed to Caesar, now the, the 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 leaders had a problem. If we're going to send this prisoner to Caesar because he's a Roman citizen, he has a right to appeal to Caesar to hear his case. They knew that the charges against him would not hold up in court. So they're going to, the, religion, the, the 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 political leaders are going to look like buffoons for not being able to solve the problem and sending Paul to Rome, and yet. They had no choice now to do so, and they were trying to figure out what to do. And then chapter 27, finally they began their journey. And uh, as we saw last week, Paul was committed to a Roman centurion by the name of Julius, who took personal care in delivering him all the way to Rome, along with many other uh, prisoners. And they set forth on a ship, and their journey took them... Sorry, the map. I couldn't blow it any bigger. I couldn't get it any bigger without losing uh, the clarity of the words. But they started down here near Caesarea, and they started to travel. They decided to go around the 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 area of Asia there because it was getting to be the wrong time of year to be sailing. But they wanted to get Paul to Rome, and uh, they decided, well, we'll hug the coast and we'll avoid problems. Well, it didn't really work for them too well. After they finally got to Myra, they found another ship that was going to Italy, and so they sailed. They tried to hug the coast, but it the winds were contrary to them, and so they found themselves trying to come here under Crete, hoping to avoid the winds, but they finally had to come in here to a port of Fairhavens and ride out uh, 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 as much of the season as they could. And when they found uh, someone willing to travel towards Rome, they, they set out again. They hit that big storm, Euraclidon, Eurycliden, however you pronounce it, um, and the ship was being so tossed around they just had to cut the anchors let the wind take them where they will, hoping the the ship would uh, be successful at reaching somewhere on the other side of the storm, and then they'd set sail again. Well, as the story went last week, we saw that the storm was so bad, and they were, uh, when daylight finally came at one point, they saw, oops, here we go, they saw land. You know, this is the land of Malta, which they discovered now when we get to this new chapter. Well, you know what, let's come back to that, but let's just say for now, okay, they were there on board, and the ship was being torn apart. They saw land. So the end of chapter 27, it says that the soldiers wanted to kill everyone on board, but uh, Paul, the centurion wanted to keep Paul alive. So he convinced them, listen, those of you who can swim, jump overboard and get to shore, and whatever prisoners, whoever gets ashore behind that, you gather them all back together again, and we'll all meet on shore. And Paul had told them that if they all stayed on board ship, no one would be lost. The Lord revealed that to him, and so... Um, It was out of the grace of the Lord. So they did. And chapter 27 ends, they all escaped safely to land. Okay, so I think we're together now. Acts 28. Now, when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he's escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But... After they'd looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid hands on him and healed him. And so when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. And after three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers, which had wintered at the island. And landing at Syracuse, we stayed there three days. And from there, we circled around and reached Regium. And after one day, the south wind blew. And the next day, we came to Puteoli, where we found brethren. And we were invited to stay with them seven days. And so we went toward Rome. And from there, when the brethren heard about this, they came to meet us as far as Appii Forum and three inns. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Now when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. And it came to pass, after three days, that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, "'Men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people,' Or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go, because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to to appeal to Caesar, not that I had had anything of which to accuse my nation. But for this reason, therefore, I have called for you, to see you, and to speak with you, because for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. Then they said to him, we neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who reported, who came reported or spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think, for concerning this sect we know that it is spoken against everywhere. So when they appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you will see, and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed." Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Therefore let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. And they will hear it. When he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence. No one forbidding Him. Father, as we consider Your Word this morning, we would ask for Your help. Help us, Lord, to take it in, not just as a history lesson, but as examples for us. What You have done in some of our lives, what You would like to do in some of our lives, and how You would have us to respond to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we just think of all who are visiting here today, many of which we don't even know. But you know all of our hearts, and so we commit ourselves to you. We ask that your Holy Spirit would speak with power. May uh, your servant be moved out of the way in the name of Jesus Christ exalted for his honor and glory. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, they jumped ship. And... uh This is the little teeny dot there called Malta, where this ship ended up, and I'm looking here wondering, you know, if that island had not been there, to think about where that ship would have been just drifting towards. But of course, God is sovereign, isn't he? And one of the things we're going to notice today is his intimate care in overseeing the events of our lives in every way. And seeing that this is a little bit of a history lesson, I went and Googled the island of Malta, and I thought, well, how big is it, and what's it look like, and And you know, right here in this little section, there's actually three islands, uh, uh, a big one, a little one, and another one here. And this little section right here is called St. Paul's Bay because of this story. So when we talk about can we really trust the Bible, history and archaeology and many things in, in this world will substantiate the things of the Word of God, right? And so... When they were sailing, it says that they they looked out in the morning and they saw land. It says that they saw some beach land in here, and they said, well, let's just try to run up onto the shore. Well, it didn't work, right? They got hung up on, on the prow, the front of the ship. The back of the ship was being beaten by the waves, and it began to fall apart. So somewhere in here they came to land, and they discovered it was the island of Malta. I find it interesting that the natives here showed unusual kindness Could it be simply because God was watching out for his servant to make sure he safely landed uh, and made his way to Rome? Could it be because they saw the centurion and the Roman soldiers and figured we better be real nice so they'll not do damage to us and uh, they can give a good report to us for Rome? Whatever reasoning they had, we're not really told, but what we do see is that they received unusual kindness as they came to shore. Now, I'm sure they appreciated it. It says it was rainy and cold, much like we felt in North Carolina last week at that conference, and um, you don't want to be wet when you're cold, right? But there they were; they were making a fire. The locals came to help them. And Paul—I don't know whether to say—you know, this is a, a part of Paul's character. He's just trying to be helpful and a servant, and he's only gathering sticks, or whether all the all the so, the, the uh, prisoners were required by the soldiers to get busy, help them out, gather sticks. But what we do know is Paul was busy doing what he should have been doing, which was helping. And when he threw those sticks into the fire, this poisonous snake jumped out and fastened to his hand. Now, I don't know about you, but I remember on our brigade camp outs when I was in high school, that's one thing to read about snakes. It's one thing to read about rattlesnakes and poisonous snakes. But to actually find yourself going through the campsite and finding one right there, it's a lot of adrenaline suddenly running through your body, and uh, 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 it, it's pretty scary for those of us who are not, you know, snake lovers by nature. Um, it really was unnerving, especially when I was visiting Africa. You know, over there, I mean, a rattlesnake I, I don't think responds quite this fast. But over there, within minutes, when people are bitten by poisonous snakes, there's no hope. And so, the, I mean, just the sight of a rubber snake sends people running. Because they don't want anything to do with poisonous snakes, any kind of snake. You know, you can tell them all you want, but I remember uh, there was a kid came out with a little rubber snake that he had from somewhere, and I, I couldn't, you could not convince these people to come back. That's the, that's today in the 20th, 21st century, right? Back then, they didn't have all these anti-venom uh, uh, drugs; they could just rush out to the hospital and get. If you were bit by a poison snake, it was a death sentence. And that's what they expected from Paul, right? They saw this man bitten on his hand. He flicked the serpent into the fire. But they all looked at him and said, he's a dead man. Yeah, maybe he escaped from whatever he's guilty of. But look, poetic justice is going to get him anyway. He's not even going to make it to Rome. He's going to fall over dead. And they were watching. And they were expecting that it would happen. But, of course, nothing did happen. Praise God. He was completely protected. Now, <clears throat> Mark makes an interesting prediction at the end of his gospel. And I know that there are people who would like to claim this passage for today across the board, and they do some pretty uh, 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 questionable things in response. But in Mark sixteen seventeen. They quote the Lord Jesus as saying, These signs shall follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And uh, we believe this was God's uh, validation of his servants going with a new message without written scriptures to show that it was truly... God, who was at work amongst them, the message that they carried was the true gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and this was one of those examples. This man should have died, but he didn't, because God miraculously intervened. And see, that's the message that Paul carried. And what we want to consider today, as we think of the lessons to learn from this chapter, somehow my clicker's not working, is God's protection for mankind, and specifically to believers. See, because first of all, He survived the shipwreck. He was saved from a shipwreck. And um, we just read that story last week. We reviewed it today. But if you were to consider for just a moment our lives symbolized by a journey, perhaps a ship, a, a voyage by ship, might help us to kind of enter into the picture of the lesson that we can learn from this. Yes, Paul was rescued. He was on his way to Rome so that he could stand before Caesar and share the gospel. But for you and me, let's think. We've got a destination to which we're headed. At least where most people would like to go. You ask them, where, would, where do you, where, where are you going to go when you die? Well, I hope to go to heaven. That's what most 99% of the people will say. I hope I'm going to heaven. That's their desired destination. However, like Paul's journey... There was a certain problem. They had gone off course. It was the wind that was contrary to them. There were problems that they were facing. And, and the ship was torn apart. And, of course, the Scriptures tell us about ourselves. What? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are, we are, are, are hopelessly doomed because of that sin. Because the wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. There's no way to escape. We've been separated from God spiritually. And, and when we leave this scene with that problem unsolved... We will be separated from Him forever. The Bible calls that the lake of fire, the second death, eternal death. And so like those aboard ship, they were they were facing certain destruction and doom, and that's why they thought, well, let's just kill everybody and be done with it. But just as God intervened there, the Bible tells us He's intervened into our history of life, hasn't He? He sent the Lord Jesus Christ into this world so that He could go to the cross and pay the death penalty that we deserved to be our substitute so that we can be set free. If only we will come to Him, if only we will receive the Lord Jesus Christ is our savior. If we will commit our eternal destiny to his hands, we can be set free from that penalty through the Lord Jesus Christ. So just as Paul was saved from shipwreck, you can be saved from spiritual shipwreck. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ is your savior, I would just appeal to you today, don't leave this room unless you know that you know that you know your sin has been forgiven and you will be set free from the destruction of the wrath of God that is upon all of us unless we come to Jesus Christ. But having been saved from that shipwreck, having been saved from the punishment of our sin, what do we see now about God's protection, what he was saving Paul from? Well, he was also being saved from this serpent. Interesting. The serpent is referred to in Revelation, that that serpent of old, the devil, When we look from the beginning of the Scriptures to the end, we see the serpent striving against man. Yes, it was a creature in the garden, but the Bible tells us very clearly that Satan himself was working through that serpent to cause mankind to disobey God. That's how they got off course. They gave in to his temptations. They gave in to the whisperings and the logic that he was was presenting them. And being deceived, Eve took the fruit and she ate of it, gave to her husband, and he ate it also. That was the beginning. And when God came to them and pronounced the judgment for having disobeyed, he clearly told the serpent what would happen. There was a promise there. And the promise was that one of the seed of the woman, well, let me just read the verse. This is Genesis three fifteen. It says, I will put an enmity between you and the woman. He's speaking to the, serp- the serpent, the devil now. He says, there will be enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Those who came from Adam and Eve are at enmity with Satan and those who follow him. There is a spiritual battle going on. And Ephesians tells us very clearly, we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, the powers, the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And we try so hard to deal with the physical problems that we have. We come and, and, and many people, they turn to God and, please help me find a job. Please uh, uh, protect me on my ride home. Please heal me from this sickness. But they stop short of realizing that there's a larger battle at stake besides the physical realm, the spiritual realm. It says that Satan is there, and most of the time, rightly accusing us before God, saying, He doesn't deserve to come into heaven. He doesn't deserve your kindness and your grace. He's guilty. And so rather than struggling against ourselves, condemning ourselves, whether struggling against those around us in the physical realm, we're challenged to realize it's a spiritual battle we're a part of. But praise God, Colossians chapter 2 tells us that there was a victory accomplished by our Lord Jesus Christ on His cross. Colossians 2, speaking of those who believe in Jesus Christ, He says in verse 13, You being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God has made alive together with Christ, having forgiven you all your trespasses, all your sins. He describes how that happened in verse 14. See, He says, You who are in Christ have been forgiven of all your sins. He says, verse 14, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. When the people were crucified in, in Rome's day and they were hung on the cross, there was a certificate, there was, there was a, a, a summary of what they were accused of, what they were guilty of, written over their heads. And it says that certificate, that handwriting of requirements of the law that was against us, it says, which was contrary to us, God has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross that's Jesus's cross and having disarmed principalities and powers he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in his cross so for those who don't know the Lord is their savior you're still a victim of this spiritual battle and satan is trying to do everything he can to deceive you and to keep you from coming to Christ for those of us who know Christ we need to remember we still have an enemy don't we and we have God's protection to stand against him that's why he says in Ephesians 6 put on the full armor of God we need to buy prayer be before Him and, and, and learn how to wear each of those pieces of the armor of God with the, having our, our waist girded with the, with the truth and our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit. And with prayer, we can stand against our foe. We can resist the devil and he will flee from us, but not because of us, but because of Jesus Christ and the work that He's done on our behalf for us well paul experienced that both physically and spiritually so he comes into the the town there on malta and it tells us that he began to heal he was brought to this man publius who was the leading citizen there some sort of political leader and he invited them and entertained them in his house for 3 days and they discover there that his father is sick An incredible sickness. He's got fever and dysentery, and I had some form of dysentery over in Africa uh, when I was there for the better part of a month, and it's the worst I've ever experienced. Uh, Up all night, all day, just your whole body aching. I don't know what kind of situation he was in. That was with antibiotics and medical help for me, but they didn't have that then. Now I find it interesting. Luke, the one writing this book, is a physician. It doesn't say they called him in and he did anything for them. What do we see? It says that Paul went to Publius's father and he laid hands on him and he healed them. He was using the spiritual gift that God had given him, and he healed this person. And when the news began to spread, it says, the rest of those on the island who had diseases, they all came and were healed. And so for the next three months, when they stayed on this island, they were honored guests. It says they treated us, they honored us in many ways. And finally, when it came time for them to depart, they provided such things as were necessary. They, they sent them off with a, a great send-off. It doesn't say that everyone came to know the Lord, but see the work that God did. It, the Bible says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And we should strive for that. Yeah, it doesn't mean we can eliminate all problems, but we can at least not be the reason for the conflict as we see the Lord working through us to bring about good relations between us and those around us. <clears throat> well, the time finally came after the three months for them to board ship again. They found an Alexandrian ship heading there to Italy. They got aboard, and the Scriptures tell us that it was a quick trip, a matter of a few days, and they found themselves already up here into Sicily and Italy on their way to Puteoli. And interesting thing is what? They find brethren along the way. Verse 14 tells us, when they found some brethren at this town of Puteoli, they were invited to stay with them seven days. You know, it's one thing to think, okay, so they invited Paul in. But it doesn't say that necessarily. I I have to wonder, was it just a few? I mean, because they're in a procession. Chapter 27 tells us that there's 276 people in all that were on board. Did these believers actually open hospitality to the whole group? I mean, the centurion wasn't going to send part of the prisoners ahead and say, well, Paul can stick behind for a week. That's incredible hospitality. And um, But the believers were excited to, to meet Paul. He had not been to Rome. He desired to be there. And he was trying to get there. We learn in, in the book of Romans he, he had often tried to get there. But now he was on his way. Rome's closing in. And now the believers meet him and they encourage him. And Paul is encouraged by them. Not only that, it says they're traveling from here on their way towards Rome as much as 40 and 50 miles along the way, believers from three inns in this place called Appius Forum, I think it was. They heard about Paul and began to come to him, and they were encouraging him along the way. After years of being in prison, I'm sure it was quite a blessing for him. But finally they came to Rome, verse 16. And it says, The centurion delivered him, the other prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who was guarded to him. And so Paul began to meet with others. He was in a house by himself, but we learned that he was free to receive people here and there. And he called for the Jews, his own brethren. He said, listen, uh, you haven't heard the story, but here's what happened to me. Here's why I was arrested. I wanted to tell you the story myself. I'm not angry with my people. I just am in chains. Verse 20 tells us, for the hope of Israel, I am bound in these chains. And he's speaking of Christ. The hope of Israel, what they had been looking forward to all the Old Testament for thousands of years was the coming of the Savior, and they thought He hadn't come yet. When Paul was saying, listen, He has come, and so He's going to spend all day, all day from morning till night, reasoning with them concerning Jesus from all the Old Testament, the law of Moses, the prophets, to convince them that Jesus was the Christ. He was the Savior that was promised, and He'd come for them. But unfortunately, they did not respond. What we learn is what? that some believed, verse 24, some were persuaded by the things which Paul spoke, but some disbelieved. That happens today, doesn't it? We have opportunities. We try to take those opportunities. Some listen, some don't. If you come to a, with us to the beach this evening, some will listen, some won't. Unfortunately, it's more like most don't listen, and a few do. But, you know, look, if they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect servant of God, what more can we expect but we're going to do our best as paul did to serve him to witness for him that was my outline for the second section is that let me just go forward to that god what was he he was saved from shipwreck he was saved from the serpent but he was also saved for something the bible tells us that we have been saved for something the first thing we saw, Paul, in this story is that he was saved for service. Loving service for his king, for his savior. And he used the gifts that God had given him to serve others. He healed the, those on Malta. And you know, God has given us a service to do, hasn't he? Ephesians chapter 2 makes it very clear. It says, it's not by any works that we have done, but by his grace that we are saved through faith. And that not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works that no one can boast. When it comes to salvation, it has nothing to do with trying to be good to undo the wrong things that we've done. The problem is we're already guilty, we're already doomed, right? No amount of good deeds is going to undo the bad ones that we've done. Just like if you owed me a million dollars, you can be very kind to me and not get into any more debt tomorrow, but we still got yesterday's debt, right? And so, when standing before a holy God, there's nothing we can do to undo our, 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 our sin, but once we're saved, that passage we just quoted goes on to say in verse 10, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So what he wants for you to do, the good works in your life, are different than mine because he's given you different gifts. He's placed you in a different realm of people. And so he wants each of us to look to him as our Lord for the empowerment to do what he's called us to do. Remember what he told the apostles in chapter 1? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses to me right where you are. And I'll take you from there, and your influence, you'll you'll go from place to place, and ultimately the whole world will be covered as you serve your Savior. If you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, that's the starting place. But once we have been saved from our sin, He saves us for something. Titus chapter 2 tells us the same thing. Titus 2.14 speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, says, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself his own special people who are zealous for good works. You know, sometimes we're really good at saying the good words of the gospel, but we need to be on the lookout on what works God has for us that we can do. Not that we just get into humanitarian care and forget the gospel, as some have done, but they go hand in hand. We should be about both as we serve the Lord. So he was saved for service but also here it is i couldn't find an s we had the shipwreck we had the the serpent the service if you got an s to help me out here um salvation no he's already saved but but (laughs) he was a witness to christ and so there he was in rome for more than two years yes his original hearers the jews as a whole, they rejected the message, right? And so he would tell them, here in verse 28, he said, Listen, because I've come first to the house of Israel. The promises were to you first. And so, now that I've come, some believed, some did not. There was a great dispute amongst them. But they, by, by and large, he quoted that passage from Isaiah where it said, They will shut their ears so that they cannot hear. They will close their eyes so that they cannot really see the truth. Lest they be saved. And because of that, he says, Now look. The gospel is now turning to the Gentiles. And they'll listen. And they have, right? We are living proof that the gospel continues to go to the ends of the earth, not only in his day, but has continued to ours. And so it says in verse 30 that Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented home and received all who came to him. And it says that as he preached the kingdom of God and taught the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ, it says he did it this way, with all confidence and no one forbidding him. That word confidence has the idea with openness, clarity, Calmness, without no one forbidding him, he was at peace to proclaim the gospel. Now you know, I, you can say, well, he was still a, he was still a prisoner, wasn't he? Well, yes, he was. But there's a reason that they call the prison ministry here, where we send the courses to them, set free prison ministries. Right? They were set free from their sin and free to know God to serve Him wherever they were. And Paul was that way. And the Lord had opened the door even before he could stand before Caesar. Even before uh, 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 his sentence was pronounced, he found a realm of now service for the Lord, and he was a witness for Him. May God help us. You know what it says in First Timothy chapter 2? It says, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. Why? Why? For kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. And you know, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior today, we want to tell you again, you can avoid the shipwreck of your soul. Spend an eternity with Christ if you'll come to Him to find the salvation that He's offering that can only come through that one mediator, Jesus Christ. And if you know Him, like I do, may we pray for one another. May we pray for our country. May we pray for our our neighborhoods that God would open the doors for us, that He would show us those open doors so we can walk through them and be faithful at serving and witnessing for our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for the challenge You've given me personally there's so many aspects to this relationship that you've brought us into once we come to know Christ as our Savior there is an endless opportunity of ways to serve and we remember the story of that servant who has committed a a talent a stewardship a responsibility and yet buried it in his yard and did nothing with it his master was so displeased and we must ask ourselves, what am I doing with the gift the Lord has given to me? Help us to be able to know what you would have us to do in service for you as your children, as your, as your people who have come to know Christ as our Savior. You've said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always. We have our charter before us. Help us to be faithful servants like Paul. So we commit ourselves to you, Lord, once again. And ask that you would go with us. Help these words to linger in our hearts. That you might help us to be a changed people. To the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. For his name that we pray. Amen. If you would like to know the Lord as your Savior today, I would just invite you. Instead of going to the back door where everyone's passing by, I'm just going to remain at the front. If you'd like to talk to someone, ask a few questions, have someone pray with you. Or maybe if you would like a few moments of quiet before you leave with everybody else to uh, recommit your heart to the Lord for the service and witness that He's called you to. Please feel free to come on down uh, and talk with the Lord. Thank you. You're dismissed.